Thank you for listening to the Bible preaching ministry of Dr. Tim Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Another wonderful first day for us to join together. A celebration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I am so glad that each one of you are here this morning. Today's edition of the Sermon on the Mount is of critical importance especially in the astonishing day we live with the proliferation of false information out in this world. So please listen very closely. Sermon on the Mount is our series, and we've been on that for a bit. We're coming towards the end of it. Today is uh, the message, Stay Alert for False Teachers. This is part one. Captain Edward Smith was the captain of the RMS Titanic, a luxury British passenger liner that on April 15th, 1912, on its maiden voyage, received radio messages that they were entering into iceberg-laden waters. One report stated that Captain took one of those messages, written on a piece of paper, crumpled it, shoved it into his pocket. What is the fact verified is that seven warnings were sent to the captain of the Titanic, and yet they never altered their course. And when it sank, 1,517 people went to the watery grave in the icy Atlantic. Ignoring credible cautions can have devastating consequences. On the morning of December 7th, 1941, Private Joe McDonald received warning from some radar men that some planes were headed in a formation towards Oahu. The private passed it on to the lieutenant in charge. He assumed it was American planes, so did nothing about it. McDonald remained concerned, later brought it to the lieutenant's attention again. This time he was told in no uncertain terms, forget about it, and so he did. Only a few minutes later, 2,403 of America's finest perished in a day of infamy. But had they taken serious warning, had they really said, hey, this is a problem, countless lives would have been spared. I would love to say that tragedies like this don't happen in the church world, the religious world, but it does happen. Sadly, it's even worse. Because it sends people to a Christless hell. Pastor Jim Jones of the People's Temple had charisma, passion. He also had a big old Bible in his hand. And with his slick system, heretic though it was, incredibly, he led 918 people, one-third of which were little children, to partake in what he called revolutionary suicide, cyanide poisoning in the rugged jungles of Guyana. The interesting thing, sad interesting thing, is that members of his church were from all walks of life, all education levels. I know you might be sitting here like I, thinking, oh, that would never have been me, but they were Highly educated people, lawyers, doctors. There were people that were Baptists, former Baptists. All denominations, all groups, all faiths, all races, as it were. 
Now granted, it was an extreme example. But the fact of the matter is, did you know that the devil has more Jim Joneses in the world today? In fact, I will tell you, he has many more Jim Joneses. He is trying to sink every Titanic. He is doing his best to destroy all the good that we have done. Now this morning, the question would be is, would we be a Captain Smith who would just throw the warning in the trash can? Would we be a neglectful lieutenant and just say, forget it, warnings. I will tell you, if a culture ever needed a clear warning, it is this culture. No wonder the prophet Joel that in the last days, Joel chapter 2 and verse number 1, he said, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Blow the trumpet and sound an alarm. (laughs) Sound an alarm. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. And today, we blow the trumpet. When Jesus stood on that mountainside, he had been covering the most amazing principles that you could ever imagine. He began with attitudes called, we call them the Beatitudes, about how to be happy. He segued into, you're going to face some opposition because of that. He held up the authority of Scripture. He talked about marriage and divorce. He talked about being generous people. He just covered a wide gamut of things. Then he said, it's going to come down. And he began to kind of pull the invitation together, the altar call. He said, it's going to come down to a road. And there's a fork in the road. You're going to have to make a choice. Now you may think you're, I'm just not ready to make a choice, but that is a choice. Because no choice is a choice. And so Jesus then followed up that statement with this. The sermon now takes a very decidedly uh, cautionary feel. You can almost see Jesus' passions as He looks to the people. And He says to them, as He said here in verse 15 of Matthew 7, Beware! Beware! You've got to be aware! Because I'm telling you, there are people who are going to try to steal away your faith. They're going to try to destroy your children. Beware! If that was the case 2,000 years ago, my friend, it is much more the case today. And I will tell you, there's never been a more pertinent message than this. And while Jesus' topic is serious, frankly, we can only shake our head at the lack of common sense to the point of almost being humorous as we witness what's going on in the world today. A freshman at Eagle Junior High School won first prize at the Idaho Falls Science Fair recently. For what did he win this first place in the science fair? He was attempting to show how Americans have become so conditioned to alarm us. People practicing junk science, spreading fear about everything in our environment. And so in his project, he urged people to sign a petition that we should enact strict control, in fact, total elimination of the chemical dihydrogen monoxide. There's plenty of good reasons for doing it, his science fair project said. He said, number one, it can cause excessive sweating and vomiting. Number two, it is a major component in acid rain. It can cause burns in its gaseous state. Accidental inhalation can kill you. It decreases the effectiveness of your automobile brakes as well. And Frank has been found in the tumors of terminal cancer patients. Well, after seeing the project, he asked 50 people if they supported a ban of this chemical. 43 of the 50 said, yes, it should be banned. Something that would cause all of that should be banned. Six were undecided, and only one knew that the chemical 
dihydrogen monoxide was actually H2O, water. His title of his science project, How Gullible Are We? Well, I think he found, and we all see, the conclusion is absolutely obvious. Well, I trust that today we will not be gullible people, certainly when it comes to the most important of matters, and that is your eternal destiny. And may today you listen so closely. There's never been a more important message. In fact, it's so important that I felt like to get all that we need to do, with God's help, we're going to take two Sundays. Let's all bow our heads forward to prayer. Father, thank you this morning for this truth. God, would you speak to our spirit? May nobody here, Lord, just consider it with mere mental facts. But Lord, help all of us to really deeply think through what we're going to talk about. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to publicly read the scriptures. That's exactly what the Bible tells us to do, something powerful. And so let's go to verse 15 of Matthew chapter 7. You can follow along in your own uh, Bible there, your iPad or your iPhone, or you can look at the screens here. We read from the King James Bible. And so let's read it out loud and uh, let's read it from the heart. Ready? Begin. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. At the latter end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he was asked by his disciples and others, what would characterize the last days? What are they going to look like? Without any hesitation, our Lord did not mince words. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 11, he said, the last days, I'll tell you what they're going to be like. There will be many false prophets, many. They shall rise up and they shall deceive many. My friend, that day is today. While these false prophets come in every kind of a package imaginary, there is one thing always the same. When you open up the wrapper and you look at the heart, it is the heart of a devil. Last week, we spoke about wrong roads. Why would people consciously pick a wrong road when things are so clear? This is the way to destruction. This is the way to life. Why would anybody pick the road to destruction? Jesus said, well, here's why. Because you have people who act like they know something, who come across so humble or beautiful or wonderful or whatever, and they push people down the wrong way. They point. They're so convincing that they mislead. Now, my friend, that's what's been happening for 2,000 years for sure. And it's certainly more true than ever now. Now, sociologists tell us that in the world today, there are about 4,300 different religions. You name it, there is a religion for it. They are, and there is a growing number of them, and gaining notoriety. For example, bafflingly, even our president gave official and public credibility to another fake gospel just a few months ago, one called Kwanzaa. But it's just preliminating and going and further and further. Now some might say, well, 4,300 religions, ah, who can say which one is right and which one's wrong? Well, you need to, first of all, understand and be reassured there has to be a correct faith. 
you'd say, well, they're all wrong. Really? Or they're all right. Really? Let me pose something for a moment. You go to a college classroom. You have a brilliant professor. He's a math professor, and like they are apt to do, their goal is to try to get you to think intuitively and inductively and critically. And so they give you a math problem. It has an answer. But out of the hundred students, the problem is so complex that only a few get the right answer. Now, the question we ask is, is there a right answer to the question? Well, yes, there is a right answer. But then why do so many people get it wrong? Well, that's because they don't have the right tools. They don't have the right processing. They're not thinking through the right way to get to the answer. Were they to be given the steps to take? They would come to the right answer. And that's what Jesus is doing in this portion of the message. He is going to give them, in fact, in the following verses that we see here, he's going to show them, here are the tools for your toolbox. You're going to face a false prophet. It's not an if, it's just a matter of when. And I'm sure Jesus, when he was preaching this, probably looked over at a few of those prophets about then. And he said, here's how you're going to know when they're true or when they're false. And so, first of all, let me give you a caution to beware. You need to see them. First of all, recognize that they are real. Where to begin? Now, many Christians today say, oh, it's above my pay grade. Or, I, you know, there's so many religions or whatever the case. And so they stick their head in the sand like an ostrich. But that is not going to help. We need to see them. We need to get our head out of the sand and look around and beware. Because first of all, it is a universal fact. Beware of false prophets which come. Which come. Proactively, they are absolutely aggressive. They will come. They will come after your wife, your husband, your children, your grandchildren. They will come. How will your children be able to understand when they come? Will they have the tools necessary? Will you have given them something? What is a false prophet? The Greek word, which, as you know, the New Testament was written originally in Greek, Koine Greek, not the Greek that uh, you find in Greece today. Similar. The word false prophet is pseudo, meaning fake or false or untruth, prophetes, or teller, someone who puts out the word. Now, there are two types of people who tell things. There, first of all, is the foreteller. Now, the foreteller is a predictor. One of the most well-known predictors of the Old Testament was Micah. In the book of Micah, he said that someday there is one going to come. He's going to have all these different attributes. Specifically, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. That's the prophecy of Micah. He predicted as a foreteller. But prophets are also foretellers in that they are presenters. They are not infallible, but rather accountable to Scripture. We have foretellers and foretellers. Now, foretellers have been given an unction by God, as John stated in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20. We have an unction from the Holy One. Unction. It just means power. The old country preacher said it's unction for your function. And that's what God gives. He just gives this power inside of you to do something. Now, these prophets, whether they be predicting prophets or presenting prophets, were men, typically. Sometimes they were women, however. They were called prophetesses in the Bible. Huldah is one of them, 2 Kings chapter 22. You may remember she lived in Jerusalem under the reign of King Josiah. And also, uniquely, Isaiah, the great major prophet, his wife was called a prophetess. 
Whatever the case, God filled them with this unction and they were able to tell forth the Word of God. As a predictor, they were, in fact, infallible because the great bulk of them lived, all but a few, the great bulk of them lived before the canon of Scripture was collected and put together by both Ezra and the New Testament writers. As a predictor prophet, the Holy Spirit communicated with them and used them to bless the hearts of people. We have prophets today among us, presenters, not predictors. We have those who are filled with the unction of God. And we're especially blessed here at the home church that regularly and faithfully, we have many that come in and many that are here that share a thus saith the Lord. And that's the kind of church you want to be in. Not someone that just gets up and talks about whatever fun relationships are, however good that might be, but someone who says, thus saith the Lord. Because we need truth on the issues of life and the concerns and the heartaches that we face. Now, no sooner did these prophets arrive, the God-sent predictors and the God-sent presenters did false prophets arrive. And they brought with it a fake message, often that was close to the real message, but enough different that it was disastrous. Let me give you one Bible example. In 1 Kings chapter 22, there was a prophet by the name of Zedekiah, not King Zedekiah, who was later. He attempted to curry favor of whining King Ahab of Israel. He unwisely told them, you need to go and attack the Syrians. In fact, he even used props for his prophecy. Look at verse 11. And Zedekiah, the son of Chaniah, no, made him horns of iron. Boy, he got these, you know, horns and he got, and he started, you know, being so demonstrative and saying, King Ahab, go out there and push against those Syrians until you push them and consume them. Well, while he was uh, saying all that, there was another prophet, a true prophet, Micaiah, that called him on it and said, that's not right. And so old Zedekiah slapped the good prophet across the face. Well, God uh, showed who was right because, in fact, Israel suffered a huge defeat and King Ahab lost his life in that. Well, the fact of the matter is we better listen to the real prophets. Now, there are three categories of false prophets today. First of all, let's look at them. First of all, there are heretics. Heretics openly defy the truth. They openly defy the truth. Paul, the apostle, was an extremely powerful and wise man of God. But he didn't start out that way. He was someone who just hated Jesus and when he got converted, all the crazies in the world came after him. He had to very early on learn how to discern good and evil, right and wrong. Later, the Holy Spirit had Paul write to Titus. And in that, he said, now, Titus, you're on the island of Crete. You need to know some things. Look at Titus chapter 3 and verse 10. A man that is an heretic... The word heretic means a follower of false doctrine, someone who breaks the faction. After the first and second admonition, reject. Not be inclusive, a code word today. You're not inclusive enough. Well, my friend, nobody, nothing is gained by putting sick people with healthy people. You can't catch good health. But the people that are in good health, they certainly can get sick. Inclusiveness only just makes good people sick. Heretics are those who publicly, brazenly, often with no even care about consuming, simply refuse to believe settled truth. They just will not obey the Bible. I just won't do it. I don't care what the Bible says. Now, earlier, I said that there are 4,300 religions and growing. That's what they tell us. It might seem confusing. How can I know which of these are heresy? 
How do I know which of these are heretics? Well, it might be surprising to some, but you can actually sift through the majority of religions quite quickly by the use of the doctrine of revelation. I'm not talking about the book of Revelation, although it's similar in its meaning. And that is how truth is revealed to us. God has chosen to reveal to us who He is two different ways. The first way is by the use of general revelation, which is a revolution, I'm sure. General revelation. General revelation is specific evidence given to us through nature. I like to say creation, but for those who are squeamish, we'll say nature. Psalm chapter 19 and verse number one, the heavens, nature, creation, declares to us what? The glory of God. To any unbiased observer, one whose mind hasn't been so uh, uh, prejudices by the lies of secular education, clearly, Something that has design points to a single point of origin. Unknowingly, the secular world refers to this singular point of origin as the Big Bang Theory, which I might say I totally agree with. God spoke, bang, and there it was. That's the Big Bang Theory right there. That's the real Big Bang Theory. There is absolutely no way that a plurality of gods, a committee of gods, designed the universe. Public speaker Haddon Robinson said, the definition of a committee, a group of the unfit, appointed by the unwilling to do the unnecessary. Sadly, too often the case. So then, all religions that claim to have multiple gods, which is the majority, or the pagans who say there really is no god, can quickly be eliminated from the consideration because nature, creation itself, evidence, scientific evidence points, design demands a designer. So then if you throw away all the polytheistic religions, you're down to only three major monotheistic religions. And that is Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. And so general revelation really cuts down the number 99%. But now we're going to need specific revelation to find out these three remaining special revelation. That is the knowledge of God on spiritual matters discovered through supernatural means, meaning the scriptures. Here's what God says about scripture. All Scripture, by the way, that's the Greek word graphe, meaning graphic or writing. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable to reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. If you want to do the right thing, you need to be learned in Scriptures. That way, the man of God can be complete, perfect, thoroughly furnished, everything necessary to have a good life, to do good works. With your Bible in hand, you're thoroughly furnished, totally able, because the Word of God is inspired by God. It is profitable, and it is sufficient as a checklist to get to the bottom of any concern you might have. So our very smart God determined, if you want to get to the truth of anything, you can, first of all, use just general revelation, common sense, uh, scientific method. But number two, you cannot get to the truth of anything without specific revelation. You've got to get to the holy writings. They have to be the writings. They can't be just oral words because the things that are said, they change from one day to the next. I mean, I might tell a story and one day I leave out something, one day I exaggerate something. And so the truth of the matter is anything oral kind of gets mixed up, but written down, oh, that's where the accuracy is. So let's take a look for a few moments at the three major monotheistic groups. Islam. Islam's holy book is called the Quran. Supposedly, it's a revelation from Allah, their term for God, to their prophet, Muhammad. 
But I will tell you this, and there's no reason to get into specific at this moment, and it's not part of our message, but the Quran has so many contradictions, so many historical inaccuracies, teaching that is both immoral and violent, and outright plagiarism from other documents, including the Bible, it is impossible for the unbiased to really read the Quran and think that it, in the remote possibility, it's divine, it's from God. Gone on Islam. Judaism. Let's go to the specific revelation. Their holy writings. Well, they totally discount the New Testament. Really? The, the inspiration of the New Testament is absolutely irrefutable. Even Jesus validated the New Testament. Archaeology, 25,000 points of substantiation. In fact, Judaism outright totally rejects the single most documented event of history in the first century, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you know that there's more physical and historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than of the existence of Nero? I mean, there's absolutely no doubt that he rose from the dead. So you cannot take Judaism or Islam serious at all. Just IDing then gives you clarity. It gives us an understanding of which way we're supposed to go. It gives us, helps us cut through all the dead wood. It is said that a man went to work for three months at the House of the Dying in Calcutta. You all know who that is, Mother Teresa. He went not only to give help to those that are poor, but he wanted to find some answers about how the rest lived the rest of his life. He asked her one day, he said, would you pray that I'll have some clarity? It is said that she laughed and she said, I never have clarity. What I always have is trust. And so I pray that you will learn to trust God's word and then you will have clarity. Yes, the fact of the matter is, it is by trusting God's word that we find clarity. Folks, heretics, we've already gotten rid of 99% plus of all the false religions. But there is a second group, and that is the apostates. They don't openly defy the truth, although they do. They know the truth and reject it. The word apostate is not found in the English Bible. It is, however, found in the Greek New Testament. It comes from the word apostasia. It means to fall away. It means to defy established truth. This is where someone who's known the truth and walked back or rejected it. Sometimes called a deconversion or a popular word today is a deconstruction of their faith. You see apostasy in passages like Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you in an evil heart of unbelief in departing, apostatizing from the living God. They leave the truth of God. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1 says expressly that in the latter times, people will depart from the faith. They will deconstruct. They will deconvert. And they will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of death. Now, some of these people were raised in church, and they know better. But for whatever reason, they just walk away. Others may have been not raised in the things of God, embraced it, and then later on began to listen to the lies. And surprisingly, this can happen. You might imagine that you might never lose your faith, but it happens. That's what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. For these having forgotten that they were purged from their old sins. What gets into a person that they forget that they actually gave their life to Christ? Maybe you let a bitter experience at church or from some Christian people kind of sit in their craw. Maybe in an unmet, probably unrealistic expectation. Or maybe it's nothing more complicated than the fact that they want to live for money, they want to live for power and influence or some sexual escapade or some vice. They just want to live and have fun in their mind. So they turn their back on God. They turn their back on righteousness, anything holy. 
And of course, there's the distinct possibility that in fact, they're not apostatizing because they were never actually saved in the first place. And John clarified that in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 19. They went out from us because they were not out of us. They really were never part of the family of God. For whatever reason, they begin to ghost God. And my friend, ghosting God, rejecting the truth is, happens quite often, sadly. And sometimes it's quite visible and pronounced, like evangelical, successful author and pastor, mega church pastor, Joshua Harris, Kevin Max of the Christian pop group DC Talk. But friends, I will tell you, it makes no difference who walks away from the faith. No matter how well-known they might be, don't ever let that shake you. It means nothing, absolutely nothing. And some, like Mr. Harris, now even began working against God, purposely trying to drag others down. I happened to read about this, known about it for several years, and thought I would just look into his website. Well, interesting. He's now divorced his wife. That's the best thing to do. And he now offers what he calls message clarity coaching. You can get your message clear if you will go to him. Oh, did I mention for the incredible low, low price of $275, he'll destroy your faith. Well, there you go. Verse 15 of Matthew 7, beware of false prophets which come to you unsatisfied with just to live and let live, you would think they would say, hey, if that's what you want to do, whatever floats your boat, go for it. But that's not them. Oh, no. They want to make others just as miserable as they are. And personally, I will tell you, I have little, no respect for those who deliberately groom others for their false things, especially when they go after the young. Like Disney, that entertainment giant that's been walking back family values for a while now. And they have been feeding radical leftism into the minds and the hearts of these children. And now over the last few months, they have dropped all pretenses and they're absolutely bragging about it, putting LGBTQ couples on the screen and saying, this is what you should look at in their animated movies. Many have look back wondering if there are things that we can see or there are warning signs, and there are. We need to be careful to look at them. On September 11th, 2001, the worst tragedy in American history as far as an attack on our soil, 9-11 took place. But there were many warning signs, people say, on July 10th, 2001, two months before, FBI agent Kenneth Williams wrote a memo, said that there were Middle Eastern men training at Phoenix Area Flight Schools. Another month later, August 15, 2001, the Pan Am International Flight Academy in Minnesota alerted the FBI and they said, we are suspicious of this man by the name of Musani. He paid cash for his training. And he asked for specific training of large jets, even though he had little flight experience to begin with. And then during the September 11, 2001 attacks, 2,977 people were killed. Did we not see the warning signs? Friends, there are warning signs all over. Beware of the false prophets. There are heretics. There are apostates. And then finally, there are deceivers. There is Three groups that we need to be watching out for. Now, the heretics openly defy the truth. The apostates know the truth but reject it. The deceivers, however, often never come out and are open about the truth. And they are really the category that I think Jesus is most referring to. Now, we have gone through most of those 4,300 religions. But why is this group so dangerous? Because they are covert operatives. They are destroying so many. Oftentimes, with full knowledge, they are the proverbial wolves in sheep's clothing. Look at verse 15 again. Beware of false prophet which come to you in sheep's clothing. Now, some have thought that Jesus was using a metaphor, saying that they, they look like sheep, but they're actually wolves. Probably not what Jesus was saying. 
but he is certainly using the wolf illustration. Old Testament prophets often wore sheepskins as mantles over their shoulders. For example, Zechariah, in Zechariah chapter 13 and verse number 4, talked about a rough garment that they would put on the shoulders of those that were prophets. Jesus specifically warned about people who like religious garments. Luke chapter 20 and verse 46, Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes. I got to thinking about that verse. I'm closing in on 70 years on this earth. And I asked myself the question, have I ever seen distinctly religious garments on a religious leader when they were not a false prophet? My answer, I don't think I've ever seen one who was not a false prophet, these who wear some sort of a outright religious garment. They are deceivers. Oh, they look so pious, so saintly, so regal, so humble. My friend Jesus wore no such religious garment. In fact, in the garden, on the night that they arrested him, it was Judas who had to go and put a kiss on his cheek because he looked so ordinary, so much like everybody else. Paul warned in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, be careful, Satan himself brings himself as an angel of light. John on the Isle of Patmos said, in the end time, the enemy's going to look like a lamb. Horns of a lamb. If you look closely, that lamb actually has horns. Well, by discerning religious garb, hats, shawls, bonnets, the list is endless. They all seem to have some kind of crazy get-up. See them every day on the news. In that edgy brief letter from the half-brother of Jesus, Jude, he said, be careful, they're creeps. Look at verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unaware. They creep in. They're creeps. They get into the church. They get into media ministries. They're infiltrators, tricky schemers. They stand at the crossroads of life and disguised as a shepherd with their sheep's mantle on them. I'm a shepherd. They covertly direct people into a destructive Broadway. Author and pastor Dr. Erwin Lutzer gave a very succinct list. The list could be endless, but I think he captures it pretty good. Five false gospels within the evangelical church. False gospel number one, the gospel of permissive grace. As we sang a few moments ago, folks, grace is amazing. But today it's being perverted. Many are saying that unconditional love is being unconditional acceptance of any lifestyle. And if you try to be godly and obey Scripture, you're called a legalist. In fact, many will even go as far as rejecting the entire Old Testament, even the Gospels, because, of course, Jesus can't be trusted because the Gospels predate the Pentecost. Supposedly some magical line of demarcation where everything before it is no good and everything after it's cool. There are many, sadly, well-known TV ministries who fall into this group. False gospel number two, the gospel of social justice. Many, especially millennials, feel evangelicalism is way too conservative, too rigid, too doctrinal. And so they devote themselves to social justice. You no longer have to repent to be saved, just do something good. Be a good person. Make a difference. False gospel number three is the gospel of new age spirituality. Again, many younger people gravitate to these groups where they find a faith that is right for them. This is Pandora Church. Thumbs up, thumbs down, depending on what you want. Who really cares what God wants? It's what I want. The main thing is experience. Because Bible doctrine is way too confining. It's not exciting enough. This group of people are right for anybody who says, I've got a prophecy for you. Miracles, new revelations. Sadly, we humans love to be deceived. Author T.S. Eliot said best when he said, humans cannot bear too much reality. 
False gospel number four, the gospel of my sexual preference. We cannot ever be accused of being hateful. And so we should allow whatever, whenever, kind of a no harm, no foul mindset. Today, less and less churches and denominations make a stand against the sin of LGBTQ. No problem. You want to live together? It's no big deal. These are the hirelings that Jesus spoke of. Precious little lambs being eaten up by state schools, predatory businesses, and instead of sending the alarm, they cut and run. My friend, we need men of God, women of God, who will stand up and say, this is not right. We need to protect these children. False gospel number five, the gospel of interfaith dialogue. Culture tells us we must submit to Islam. Culture tells us the evangelical church must submit to secular humanism, to wokeism. The church must tone down its message. You may have heard it, but the code buzzword now is syncretism, meaning the church needs to assimilate unbiblical beliefs of pagan religions or whatever religion, and it needs to be an amalgamation now. Why? Because anything else is racist. Even Jesus is racist now because he said he's the only way to heaven. In fact, just this past week, an indigenous people's group in South Dakota just voted in their tribal council. No more evangelical churches in their reservation because they're not supporting Indian spirit guides and they're having the gall to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Denominations now I hear about regularly inviting gurus and imams and witch doctors and coven leaders into their church to give their opinion about things. Who cares about what their opinion is? I'm more concerned about the truth of God. That's why verse 15, Jesus said, beware of these false prophets. They are ravening wolves, wolves. Now, there's a significant thing about a wolf. They're hunters. They're not like a cow eating grass that just, hey, you know, they're the food. No. Wolves are hunters. Now, because I'm approaching almost a half a century of ministry, and I know that surprises you, but by God's grace, I'm still standing. I think I'm in a unique position to share a truckload of personal experiences about deceivers. Now, I'm going to run through a quick list. This is a personal list. Things I've experienced, things we've experienced in our church, doctrines, and so I'm going to label them. It's a way over generalization, and it probably doesn't fit everything. But when you go to the store, the recipes are different, but at least you know it's corn. And you're looking up there on the shelf, and you see that can, you know it's corn You want to stay away from things like kale. You just say, I don't care what taste it is. I don't want to be there. Well, let me give you these cans, these uh, things that have happened that have slaughtered sheep in my ministry. Hyper-Calvinism, extreme charismatics, aggressive Christian multi-level marketing, unbalanced messianic ministries, international house of prayer, Prosperity gospel, secular humanism, sipping saints, holy huddlers, liberalism, anti-tithers. That's just a little tip of the iceberg. In fact, there's so much more. Now, one of the characteristics of wolves are is they hunt in groups. Not sure how they find each other, but I've noticed it over the years. They seem to just glomp onto each other. And they feed off each other and they devour the weak. Another characteristic of a wolf is they can smell the scent of blood from afar. And it draws them. They find a weak person. They find someone who's morally wounded. And man, they attack. That's why Paul warned in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins. This is not a slam on women. That's totally not what Paul was saying. The fact is the same for immoral men. And that is this, a compromised heart make an easy target 
when the devil goes to get somebody. They're wounded and the wolves smell the blood. And I will tell you this, once a wolf gets a taste for blood, they turn absolutely vicious. I will tell you over the years, the most unchristian, nasty things I have ever heard said have come from false prophets. And in fact, just like a wolf, they seemingly kill just for the joy of destroying something positive. They just like it when something good goes down. It's almost a game to them. My friend, we have only looked at just one verse. <laughs> the balance of these verses that Jesus gives will, the Lord willing, on the next Lord's Day, talk about them. Because in these, he talks about thistles and fruits. And he said, I'm going to show you what to look for. And we're going to look at that more fully. But as we close this morning, I want to refer to something. Something today people talk about a lot is deep fakes. I have no doubt at all that there are deep fakes out there planted in places that are just waiting to destroy anything good. And especially with the use of technology today, who knows, frankly, what's really you see on the TV anymore. But I will tell you, it's the same in the religious world. There are deep fakes. But here's the good news. And I bless God about this. For every deep fake there is in this world, Praise Jesus. There are deeper truths to overrule it and to set people free. And today I'm strangely encouraged through it all. And I am so grateful for the people of the home church. This congregation flourishing, Christ-loving, Bible-believing people growing. Last year we grew by 30%. And I believe the future of this ministry in this region is absolutely phenomenal. Because this is a group of people who believes the Word of God has the answer for our lives, for our marriages, for our homes, and for our future. And that's why I thank God for each of you. Now, here's how we'd like to close. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at the Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.